Welcome to Aphesis Church Podcast Channel. If you're in Columbia, South Carolina area, we would love to get to know you better and for you to experience what Aphesis is all about. If you would like more information about us, please visit our website at aphesischurch.com. It is our prayer that this message truly speaks to you. God bless. excited about this week. Our kids are going to youth camp. That's where real vacation starts for me. <sighs> They're going to be away. So um, grateful to be back though. I want us to turn our attention to 1 Corinthians chapter 13 verse 12. Uh, I want to um, just take this. I'm not going to go deep into this text in this lesson, but I want to speak uh, a part of it to give us a little understanding on the context of my lesson. Uh, It reads this, for now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as also I am known. The New Living Translation, I like the way they say it. Now we see things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror, but then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete, but then I will know everything completely, just as God now knows me completely. And uh, that's, that's something I want us to focus on today. I want to talk about your visual acuity, your visual acuity, and um, what that means today. And so I'm going to ask us to do as we always do, if we could just bow our heads together and ask God to bless us today. Lord, we need you. I pray, speak to our hearts today. Give us understanding and help, Lord. We're hungry for your word, Lord. This is, this is the 10 a.m. hour. Those here are hungry to know you. I pray, Lord, let your word be hidden in our heart. Speak to us and strengthen us, God. Help me, O Lord, to understand what you have. Help me to be your teacher today. God, we thank you together. In your name we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Clap your hands unto the Lord just for a moment. (laughs) Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. You may be seated in Jesus' name. No, we are learners, visual learners, I believe. Everybody is. I mean, from the very get-go, I got to spend a little time uh, around some babies this week. I got to see uh, my cousin's children, and one child is is about two years old, and the other one is a pretty new, uh, I would say, uh, probably six-month-old. And so I got to see and witness how they learn and how they pick up things. I know that's how it happens. I had my own kids. I watched them as they watched us uh, growing up, you'd watch how how to walk, how to do simple things, how to eat, uh, simple smiles and smirks and simple things that you did is all something you've seen, you perceived, and you learned. That statement, have you heard that? Watch and learn. Okay, that is a very familiar statement, and it's a real mode of education. Paul said it this way in 1 Corinthians 11 and 1. He said, be followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. He says, now I praise you, brethren, that ye remember me in all things and keep the ordinances as I 
delivered them to you. So I want you to understand that way that that church learned was they were visual. They watched Paul live a Christian life. They, they just didn't hear his teaching and preaching. Of course, there was times for that, but they watched his life. They watched how he reacted to situations. They watched how he reacted to times of persecution. He watched as, as uh, people were hunting him down and beating him up. They watched and they perceived his character. So when he would talk about how charity is the greatest of them all, that's a little bit deeper when you know that someone in that very group punched him in the face and you still have love for him and you still care for him. That's a, that's a lesson that's hard to learn through just talking about it. It's a deeper lesson when you see it for yourself. You learn by your visual acuity, by how you see things, the way of learning this way of learning is a biblical and effective way. But it begs a question about a real issue when it comes to how we view and how we perceive the Word of God. My daughter Ivy recently failed a test. And that test that she failed was her, her first attempt at a driver's license test. And she really didn't get a chance to get into taking the actual bubble test, she failed the visual test. She got up there and she put her eyes to, the, to that uh, uh, instrument and, and they said, would you read this line and that line? And she went ahead with all boldness, read the first line, no problem. The second, no problem. Just totally skipped over the third. <laughs> Squinted at the fourth. And uh, they said, do you not see that line? She says, what line? <laughs> you know, she veiled because she could not see properly. It was her visual acuity was off. And as I define visual acuity, it's defined as this, the sharpness of vision measured by the ability to discern letters or numbers at a given distance according to a fixed standard. And my daughter, she had to get glasses, lenses, particular lenses fitted for her so that she can have that perfect visual acuity. Which brings me to the point of my lesson today. What lenses are we looking through to determine our spiritual visual acuity? What lenses are there that we see even in Scripture? And that's really what I want to spend most of our time in today is talking about some lenses. So those who are wearing glasses today say, you praise God, it's all about y'all. All right? Four-eyed club. Amen. Right? I, 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 uh, I want to emphasize a couple lenses particularly. And the first one I really want to focus a good amount of time on. And it's one that we should all be wearing. And I'd like to call these corrective lenses. And because they are, they're found more in the lens of correction. And the best place I can take us to that I really want to break it down is 2 Timothy 3.16, a very familiar passage. It says, All Scripture is given by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. And that's the NLT version. I didn't mean to put that one. I'll read the King James Version. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. And that word doctrine in this te text is, is the Greek word didaskalia, which means instruction, or not just instruction, but uh, having a teachable spirit. Right. 
And it's so important that when I read the Word of God or when I'm trying to grow in God, that I'm wearing these lenses that allow me to have a teachable spirit, that I'm viewing through a lens that is instructing my life and instructing my mind and instructing the way of my life and my heart and the way I react and the way I don't react. I need this teachable spirit. It's, it's so vital. Can I just say this? That it is so vital that we start walking in church a different way and we start walking in here with a desire to know beyond what we know. Amen. Right? I don't want to ever walk in here and think I've got it all figured out. I don't ever want to just assume that I've been in this long enough that I can just lean on those years and lean on past generations and lean on parents' relationship with God. I, I, I need to understand that every day I get is a brand new day and I need to learn something and I need to have a teachable spirit. I need to, I need to be instructed in this doctrine. A, the, a really good way to look at it is in Acts chapter 17, Paul is going around and he's doing what he does. He's, he's on the missionary field. He's trying to spread the gospel, trying to teach in this doctrine. And we pick up here in verse 10. And the brethren immediately sent away Paul and Silas by night unto Berea, who coming thither went into the synagogue of the Jews. These were more noble than those in Thessalonica, in that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily, whether those things were so. Therefore, many of them believed also of honorable women, which were Greeks and of men, not a few. Meaning there were many who took that word because they had a readiness of mind. They had a, they, they decided to wake up and put on a particular pair of lenses and say, I want to be taught today. I need a teachable spirit, a readiness of mind, an understanding. God, I, I'm not going to prejudge some things. I'm not going to be so concrete in certain things. I want to see what God has for me today. He even says so, so, so plainly. Uh, they were more noble than those in Thessalonica. Thessalonica gave them problems. Gave them fits. They weren't wearing those types of lenses. They weren't deciding to see the word of God through that type of perspective. And so it's so important that we, the very first thing that we need to focus on is, man, I, I need to put on a, an attitude. I need to have a perception of having a teachable spirit. Right. The second thing I mentioned was that all scripture is given by inspiration of God is profitable for doctrine, but for reproof. That reproof is elikos in the Greek, and it means conviction. This is an openness, and I want us to get this. This is truly an openness to rebuke. One translation reads that scripture, it says this, all scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for that word there, for reproof, for correcting, for training in righteousness. I want to say this. If you can't find a church where you can be rebuked, then you need to find another church. If you can't find leadership who can look at you and rebuke you and, the, and, and you take rebuke and you wear those lenses and say, you know what, I'm willing to receive rebuke. Right. It's a different thing. Uh, everybody wants to be right. Amen. Everybody, uh, if you're a married person in here, it feels so good to be right. 
And it, it could be the simplest thing on where you put the peanut butter jar. It's there, I promise. It's right where, right where it's at. It's there. Go check. I don't see it. It's not there. And you walk over and you grab it right in front of their face. You know, because we have these lenses that maybe we're not seeing the same thing, right? And all of a sudden, you have this moment where you're like, I am right. I'm the king for the day, right? I deserve a parade in this moment. That's what it feels like to be right. But no one wants to be the other one, right? No one wants to feel chastisement or rebuke. No one wants to say, you're wrong. No one wants to hear that you were wrong your entire life. And I want us to get that into our heart today. If we have first a teachable spirit, then maybe we'd be willing to hear rebuke. Maybe we'd be willing to hear that, you know what? I don't have it all figured out. I do need to be taught. I, 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 have, been, I have been doing it wrong this entire time. So it's so, it's so important that we allow rebuke to take place so that we're open to rebuke. That word, again, also means conviction. You need to have conviction in your life. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to say it this way too that we live in a day and age that the modern church is changing the way uh, uh, conviction is being used and I, I'm going to say this that it's the church's and it's the gospel's greatest gift is conviction because conviction is truly the only thing that changes lives and we now the problem with conviction is that it doesn't feel good right it goes against our grain it goes against our will. It's anti-pride. It's, it chops down ego. And, and conviction pierces hearts. And, and it stings. And we don't like it. And we have mega churches who are learning to remove conviction. They're, they're giving you messages that, oh, that sounds rough because it's so plain and so true. And let me go ahead and sand the, the, the edges off a little bit. Sand off a little conviction here. Sand off some conviction here. And, and uh, uh, maybe I can bring it to you wearing a bomber jacket and some cool glasses, right? Maybe sand a little bit here because what I want to do is, is remove the hurt from the message. But I'm telling you right now that if it wasn't for the hurt and the message, we wouldn't be here today. We need that hurt. We need that godly sorrow that worketh repentance. We need that rebuke. We need that spirit to move. But I'm telling you, we can discard it if we don't have the right lenses on. If we're not wearing those correct, uh, corrective lenses. The second or the third thing that this scripture talks about is, is that correction. And that word correction, uh, if my iPad will work with me, <laughs> is epinarthosis, which means not just correction, as in correcting something and, 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 and putting uh, uh, someone in order. It means to really bring restoration. And so when I read that word correction, we have to look at it as restoration because that's what scripture, all scripture is given for us to be restored. Amen. And we, what, why, why do we need to be restored? Because we're broken. Right. Yeah. Things happen. Life happens. Pressures happen. I, 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 I feel bad 
already for Brother Ryan's trailer that he brought to help carry luggage because my children are going to test the springs on that trailer. I, I, I told my daughters as they brought it out uh, uh, our two biggest bags we have. And Brother, Brother Reeves gave me a big giant bag on before he left town. And Mercy picked that bag. So it, it's a bag that you can literally put Brother Ship's truck in. It's so large. And so the girls drag it down the stairs. And they put it right behind the trunk of the car. And I told my daughters, I said, here's, here's the rule. If you can't load it, you can't bring it. Now, I didn't tell them that before that when they were packing. But I stood there and watched. Ivy goes, are you serious? I said, I'm dead serious. It's your bag. You got to worry about your bag. I'm not going to be there to help unload it. Yeah, you could probably, you know, flash your eyes a little bit. You girl power. <laughs> okay. But I want, you to, I want you to feel your consequences here. All right. And she throws her all her little weight into it and throws it. In. I mean, she probably has a thrown out back. So we're going to pray for healing at that camp for her. But then here comes mercy. Boom, boom, boom. This giant bag. And I said, if you can't load it, you can't take it. And she's, she's, she's a little bit uh, more vinegary. <clears throat> so she, she manhandles it and throws it in there. And she goes, it's in. <laughs> and she presses the button to close it down. And the door comes and it's like, and it opens back up. I guess it's not in. <laughs> okay. And I'm bringing all this story to you because, you know, this is how life works out. You have things and pressure breaks things. And the life breaks you. I want to just say that life breaks you. I had the awesome opportunity to, to go to Florida this week. And um, I was hoping for a more restful week. But it rained and I had a lot of driving. I thought to myself, this is supposed to be a vacation. And I thought, well, I'll have vacation when my kids are gone. And so I thought, this is, I'll get rest later. And I realized this, that's just life. Life is pressuring. And we need restoration. We need to be brought back to a place where we work properly, where we're supposed to be the thing that we're, we're called to be, a righteous people, a separated people, a holy people. So when I look through these lenses, I'm looking through lenses that help restore me. Yeah. All right. When you read the word of God, look through those lenses. Restore my brokenness. Amen. Fix my hurt. Put together. Straighten me up again. Rectify my circumstances. And the last word here in this text is instruction or instruction for righteousness there is pad, padaya, which means truly means this. Out of all those words, I thought this was interesting, that it means disciplinary correction. It's an actual correction that is more chastising than the rest of those words we talked about, even more than rebuke. And I want us to kind of get a better concept of it. And really, I would say the Hebrew writer puts it in great, great context in Hebrews 12 and 5. It says, and ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. I want to stop there. This is where the Hebrew writer is saying, you've forgotten your position yeah. in life yeah. and who you are under. Yeah. You have a heavenly father. And if you have a heavenly father, that makes you a child. Right. <clears throat> 
So this is, let's start thinking in the, in, and start looking really through the lens of a child. It says, my son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are ye bastards and not sons. Furthermore, ye have had fathers of our flesh, which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not? much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live. Amen. For they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure, but he for our profit yeah. that we might be partakers of his holiness. Now, I love this verse. Now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward, it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. That's the type of lens that I'm asking us to be okay with. It's a lens where we say, I need to be corrected. I need your disciplining. I am open to that because if I'm open to that type of discipline, that means I'm also open to the, his corrective type of love. It's a love that it's, it's hard to put into words and it's hard to put into really understanding. It's a love that is, is, is only reserved for a parent. And what I mean by that is that if you as a parent truly love your child, you will have to come to a crossroads where discipline has to be enacted. You have to come to a place where you have to do that. You have to love in that term. I, 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 I grew up with, with parents that believed in, in spanking their kids. And, and when my dad used to tell me to get ready, I used to do my best to run up there and wear every pair of underwear I could possibly find. You know, throw a, throw a magazine or two back there and pray that he doesn't notice. <laughs> Okay, but I remember that crossroads I had to come to when I had children. And I had to make that, that decision. Today is the day where I start to discipline. It starts early. I'll say it that way. It's an early process. Parents with little kids, it's part of it. Just start early. It's, there's, it's biblical that we start early. And so I remember that moment saying, part of this is cute, but if I allow this to go on, it doesn't get cute anymore. And so you have to have that moment and you realize you have to pull from somewhere and really it's the, it's the deepest type of love because you're going against your nature to help their nature. And I want us to understand that's, what, that's the type of lenses I want to wear today and understand that, you know what, my nature needs correcting. My will needs to put in to be placed and forced into subjection. It needs to be corrected in a way that only he can do it, and it yields this peaceable fruit of righteousness. It's unto them which are exercised thereby. 
This lens that I read here through this chapter, I'd like to, this lens that covers doctrine, that covers reproof, correction, and instruction in righteousness. I'm calling this lens corrective lenses. These are the, this is the type of lenses we should all be wearing when, when coming into the house of God, when viewing and reading the word of God, when understanding anything that deals with my, my relationship with God, my perception must be viewed through these lenses. The second pair of lens that I really want to focus on is what I call lens of despair. Lens of despair is kind of, it looks like this. Job wears these in chapter 30, verse 26. He says, when I looked for good, then evil came unto me. And when I waited for light, there came darkness. I don't know if you caught that tone. Yeah. Of course, we know the history of Job. We know that he was put through the ringer, Amen. But he, he, he shows us a type of lenses he was wearing in, at a season. It was a type of despair that everything he looked at was ugly. The, the, the walls were, were like an off color. They, 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 they didn't make it. It wasn't vibrant to him. There was just life wasn't vibrant anymore. He was looking through a lens that everything was doom and gloom. The prophet Jeremiah writes uh, in Lamentations, and that word Lamentations means to lament, to be sorrowful, to cry out. Already he's putting on these pair of despair glasses. Already he's wearing them. And he writes this in chapter 315. He hath filled me with bitterness. He hath made me drunken with wormwood. He hath also broken my teeth with gravel stones. He hath covered me with ashes. And thou hast removed my soul far off from peace. I forgot prosperity. And I said my strength and my hope is perished from the Lord. That's pretty sad. That's, that's a, this type of spiritual lens is uh, pessimism, if I could put it that way. It's putting on a lens of hopelessness and a lens of gloom and doubt and, and bitterness. We have a choice to wear these lenses, by the way. I know people who their life is falling apart. But when you go talk to them and see how they're doing, somehow, some way, they're wearing certain lenses that it's not filled with despair and hurt. But then I've, I've met people who own a cattle on a thousand hills. <laughs> I've, owned some, I've, I've, I've met some people that have the mansion and the lake and the, and the boat to go with it. And you walk up to them and you talk with them and how things going. And it is like the world has crumbled apart. So I want us to understand that lens, this, these lenses of despair is not always dictated on your bills. It's not always dictated on circumstances it's dictated on your attitude. What you choose to wear that day, how you choose to look at things and perceive some things. I, I, I just want to speak to a church today that, listen, you, you need to start viewing things differently. Don't wear those lenses. Don't get caught up wearing those heavy lenses. If I, if I could put a picture on these type of glasses, they're the big, bulky, heavy, ugly ones. Okay, they're the ones that have like three-inch thick glass, right? They they're, they're not they're not enjoyable to wear and they're ugly to wear. 
But I want us to understand those are so easy to put on. But the third type of lens I want to talk about is the lens of hope. And I love, I just read Lamentations, that third chapter, right? I'm going to pick back up in verse 18 where I left off. And I said, my strength and my hope is perished from the Lord. He goes on, remembering my, affic my affliction and my misery, the wormwood and the gall. My soul hath them still in remembrance and is humbled in me. But all of a sudden, he takes these thick old glasses off and he puts on a pair of lenses. And this is what he says. This I recall to my mind, therefore have I hope. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning and great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore will I hope in him. The Lord is good unto them that wait for him, to the soul that seeketh him. It is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. I, I want to say this statement here. The lenses of hope are fitted on the frames of patience. You heard him. He says, it is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. Right. See, that's, that's the beauty about looking through the lens of hope. It's, it's recalling to your mind of the Lord's mercies. It's reminding yourself that he was always there, that he was there in those situations, that he never lets you find yourself out, you know, casted out on the road in the streets, pouring in rain in the gutter, that somehow, some way, he did take you to the brink. <laughs> he may have let you have that, that sandwich was just two pieces of bread and maybe it's just a, just a light coating of mustard, Right? But you still had something because he was still there. But I choose to look through these lenses while also having temperance and patience. I, I, I can't help but think of that story in 1 Samuel chapter 30 of David coming back to Ziklag. Cities on fire. Everything smoldering and smelling like smoke. I, I remember my, uh, my time living in Tallahassee is where I first... Uh, took part of this that I woke up one day thinking it was a sunny gorgeous Florida morning and when I woke up it was foggy and it wasn't just fog you know from condensation in the air it was fog from controlled burning in the forest it was so thick and so it was, it was like man you walk out and you just had a cough constantly and, and I remember that that's what they did in the area they had a lot of uh, forest forestry areas that they had to do controlled burning and they would do that uh, in seasons to, to get, get ahead of, of forest fires. And, but it would cause the whole area to smell like smoke. Do you remember that? It would be so thick. And that's exactly what he's coming over the hill and he smells the smoke. And he, he's like, well, this isn't, this isn't the fog that I was expecting to walk into. And all of a sudden, he sees a city where his family was staying, where his men's family were staying. All of a sudden, he crests that and what he sees is despair. 
Everybody's wearing the lens of despair. Everyone's wearing the lens of hopelessness and, and hurt. And all of a sudden, they're doubting their leader, David. They're looking at him and they're like, why did we follow you? We could have been here with our families. We could have been protecting you, but yet we followed you. The Bible says in 1 Samuel chapter 30 and 6, David was greatly distressed. There he is wearing those lenses. For the people spake of stoning him because the soul of all the people was was grieved. Every man for his son and for his daughter. But then he goes to a different pair of lenses. And David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. I, I, I wish I can tell you exactly what switch it was that he, he decided to put, but it's there. It's so evident. He just decided, you know what? I'm not going to live in discouragement anymore. I'm going to encourage myself. I'm going to encourage myself in the Lord. If you read the rest of the chapter, he goes to the priest. He says, I need the ephod. I need to talk to God myself. Right. I, I'm, I'm not going to stay in these ashes of despair and I'm deciding to put on the eyeglasses of hope the lenses of hope again are fitted they're, they're, they're put together with patience but it's, it's, a, it's a way we need to start viewing things can I just say we live in not the best financial climate <laughs> but as I'm trying as a pastor building faith in, in the fact that God's going to help us get a building in the worst climate, financial climate in our history, I, I'm starting to realize that's how God likes to show off. <laughs> and I'm putting on different glasses. You know, I, I'm talking to people who are in the same boat saying their their churches are outgrowing and they need more space. And they're, they're, all I hear from them, a lot of them is, oh man, building prices are tripled and quadrupled. And I don't know how he's going to, but he's going to do it. He's going to do it because I choose to look at things differently. I, I choose to look at that scripture that says that he owns all the silver and he owns all the gold. And I realize that his storehouses are greater and they have, they have deep, deep pockets. And I'm, I'm not worried no more when I put on these, these glasses. And so I hope us, that we realize that we can stop worrying about Monday by changing what we see today. These glasses that I mentioned, there's, I want to kind of, in the last few moments here, I want to bring out one more pair of lenses that I want us to be greatly aware of. <clears throat> this lens is dangerous um, in many ways. And this lens is what I call the lens of justification. This lens is dangerous because it searches out allowances to fit your narrative. Not the narrative of the word of the, God, of the, word of the Lord. It's a hodgepodge of scriptures that are searched out to justify their truth and not the truth. It's easy to wear these frames and lenses because of two reasons. The first reason is addiction. <laughs> I touched on it a little bit because we're all addicted to being right. We're all addicted to being justified. We'll search out being right before we'll search out being corrected. That's a problem. Especially in our walk with God. I don't come to church to be right. I come to church so he can lead me. So he can correct me. 
It's a different, it's a different understanding. But I'm telling you, we live in a world who's addicted to being justified. It's part of your nature. You just want to be right. You just want to be correct all the time. No one wants to be wrong, but we search the word of God for justification for my livelihood and my style and, and my flesh. We, we, we'll pick from here. We'll pick from there. We'll, it won't flow right. It'll go against other scripture. It will be, well, brother so-and-so did this, and, 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 and this, the patriarch did this, but they don't want to talk about what happened to those individuals because of their sins. Right. That's what justification does. And the second reason these lenses are used so frequently is because of accessibility. All right? The way I can say it is this way. It's kind of like your, your Dollar General store or Family Dollar. They all have that, that turning wheel where you go up and you need to find your glasses, right? Some reading glasses. You're in a pinch. You need something. You're blind as a bat. You're just, you're putting things on. It's cheap. It's right there. It's accessible. It's going to get you through some things. And that's exactly what the lens justification is because it's accessible everywhere because everyone's doing your searching for you. It's found all over the place. It's especially found in our social media. I'm so, I, I'll tell you what. I am a fan of being taught new things. I'm a fan of learning how to TikTok taught me how to how to fold the chip bag just right after you open it so the air doesn't get out. How many of you have been taught by TikTok something new? Maybe the proper way to put a trash bag in a in a trash can. Did you not learn that from the internet? Yeah, right? We learn these new new things, right? We learn these these new ways and can I tell you the same is for our spiritual walk? I can't tell you how many of us post a video of some TikTok loser who thinks they have it right and they put their, their idea and their view of scripture and then they post that because it fits their narrative. They have no dedication. They have no consecration. They have no real walk with God. And instead of going to the pastor or going to the word of God, instead of being where you're supposed to be, they find the cheap frames. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, boy. They're easy to find. They're on the rack of society. You find them with such ease everywhere because the world is addicted to being justified. Let's all stand. Our spiritual visual acuity is one that is always being corrected. And I want us to understand something. I need, I need to be wearing the correct lenses. I need to have those right lenses that help me with doctrine, that help me with reproof, that help me with correction, that help me with instruction in righteousness. I need that so I can see correctly. And I need to cast away those, those lenses of despair. And I need to put on a lens of hope. And I need to be leery about the lens of justification. I, it's, it's not about just being right. It's about being changed. It's about being, it's about being corrected by, by him. He, he's, putting, he's putting his hands on our lives if we allow him to. If we allow ourselves to be open. Say, God, I, I want to look. I want to have, just like that church in Berea, I want to have a readiness of mind. I want to have a teachable spirit. I want to view things not as a know-it-all. 
I, I want to view things not as a, a 14th generation Pentecostal that's been so, so staunch in one way that, that he can't do anything new in my life. Right? He, he, I really do believe that we are sh just shortchanging the apostolic life because we are so Pentecostal. Yes. I'll let you go home and chew on that. Think about that. What am I trying to say? Okay. I'm not attacking you. I'm not attacking your walk. I'm attacking your mind, your mindset. I'm attacking the way that, you know what, maybe sometimes I'm too traditional with my faith. Because when I'm traditional with faith, I allow doubt to seep in. I'm seeing things. I want to see things where God can do anything. I want to see things differently when I walk into church the next time. Right? I don't want to just see it as, okay, there's my seat and this is the time. We're going to sing some songs. We're going to hear a preach word. We're going to pray for about five minutes. We're going to shake a hand or two, hug a neck or two, and I'm going to walk out the same way I came in. I want to start seeing things different. Yes. Amen? Yeah. Praise God. Let's just bow our heads together. God, help us. Help us to see with your eyes. Help us to see those things like, like your word says, to be seen by you. We're going to have a clarity. But until then, God, I pray, help us to wear those corrective lenses that you've made us to wear in Scripture. Lord, I pray, help us to be teachable. Help us to, oh God, be, be, be okay with rebuke. Help us, help us to yield to your chastisement. Help us, oh Lord, to not throw away conviction, but God, help us cleave to it. I pray, help us, Lord, as a church, have better vision, have better perception. God, I want to see things, God, more clearly. I want to have a, a greater visual acuity, God, that you've, that you've given us, Lord. Strengthen us, Lord, I pray. Help us bless the remainder of of this service. We give you great praise. We give you great honor. And in your name I pray, in Jesus' name. Would you clap your hands with me? In Jesus' name. If you were encouraged by this message and you would like to connect with Ephesus Church or you would like to get in contact with the leadership of this church, please visit EphesusChurch.com Thank you for being a part 